2 Kings chapter number 4, verses number 1, the writer says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse 2 declares, What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? That's so good. Nothing at all except, somebody shout, except. Her response was, I have nothing except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Six declares, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me, one, bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Now look at the wisdom of the prophet in verses number seven. He says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts. Somebody shall pay your debts. Pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. Father, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to your people. Be glorified uh, my king, and all that's said and done, and it is in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says again, amen. Uh, just follow me. I, again, don't plan to be before you very long, but there is something that God has, has rested upon my spirit um, after hearing the news on yesterday concerning my, my dear friend. Um, I, I really didn't feel like ministering today, but you guys know my rule of thumb. If God has given me a word, I'm going to speak whatever he says, no matter. Th this is the time where the scripture being instant in season and out of season is definitely applicable to my life. So since he has given me something, I want to take my time and share it with you all on today. Let's start out with this statement here that God rested upon my heart. Levels of maturity are often measured by the quality of questions asked. Levels of maturity. I see it in the church. I see it in my relationships. I see it with my children. Level, their levels of maturity usually match the kind of questions that they ask. I'll give you um, a silly example. My wife, um, she, she asked the kids a couple of weeks ago, she says, what do you guys want for Christmas? Now, now, what's the levels of maturity based on the questions that they pose back to my wife? My wife says, what do you want for Christmas? Nate says, can I show you? Can we go to the store? <laughs> that, that's, that's the question that he has. Um, Teresa's question is a little bit more mature. She doesn't go straight to the part. She asked the question, how many things can I have? <laughs> Now, I don't want to just show you what I want. How, how many, tell me how many things can, can I get? Charity's question is a little bit more mature. Charity, she comes at it like this. Um, do I have to tell you now? In essence, give me some time. Let me really think about it because since you're coming to me and you're asking me, that means that you're going to get more than likely you're going to get me what I asked for. So let me take some time to think about it before I give you an answer. That's a mature question. Greg Jr.'s question is a little bit more mature even than that. 
He asked, my wife asked Greg, what do you want for Christmas? Greg says, well, how much money you plan to spend on me for Christmas? <laughs> His question a little bit more mature. And Aisha, she don't even ask questions. She just send us, she sends us a Christmas registry. <laughs> I believe the registry is based on the stuff she wants, but she don't want to spend her money on. So... <laughs> Um, levels, levels of maturity often can be measured by the quality of the question. When it comes to our spiritual lives, there is a question that speaks to Christian maturity. And this question goes something like this, Lord, what do you require of me? If you're taking notes, just jot that down in your notes. Those of you all who are watching me live, just put it in the chat, chat box, Lord, what do you require of me? Somebody shout, that's a mature question. That's a, that's a new, mature question because the, 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 the opposite of that, the juxtaposing position of this question is, I do based on the next emergency. I respond based on the pressures of my, my peers. I respond based on what's popular or I might even respond based on what I fear. I'm going to act based on what I'm afraid is going to happen. But when you come to a place of maturity, your, your fears take second place. The opinion of people take second place. What's popular takes third or fourth place. Come on, somebody. And I have a true question for the Lord today. Lord, what is it that you require of, of me? Now, what does that have to do with this series that we're in the middle of, Family Matters? I'll tell you what it has to do with because I have taken this series very, very seriously uh, personally in my life because I want to know concerning my role as a father, concerning my role as the husband, I pose the question to God, what is it that you are requiring of me in the family? If family really matters to you, I believe that God is not ambiguous concerning what he desires for us to do in the midst of our family. So I pose the question to God. And I just want to invite you guys into the conversation that God and I had. There, there are four things that God kind of threw out at me, that some things that I knew, but there are certain things that I, I, I thought I knew, but I didn't know how much he wanted this out of me. The first thing that he, that, that he placed in my spirit was to provide instructions for my family. As a father, as a, as a husband, um, I should provide leadership by giving instructions to my family, instructions in the ways of God and the word of God. Somebody shout the ways of God and the word of God. So what the word actually says, and then in my personal relationship with him, understanding his character, the word of God, and the ways of God. And as a leader in my home, not only should I provide instructions, I should also provide an example. So I shouldn't tell my sons to do what I say and not do what I do. Come on, somebody. So I should not only teach them, not, not only should I instruct them, but I should also be a living example of the very thing that I am teaching. The third thing that he placed in my spirit is, is I should provide both vision and hope for my family. I should be able to see beyond tomorrow. I should be able to see beyond the hell. Come on, somebody, of 2020. Somebody shout, it's going to get better. <laughs> it's got to get better. I should provide vision and hope. And number four, this is where I'm going to hang my hat. Um, I should provide financial stability for my household. Yeah, I, I want to hang, hang my hat right there because God has dealt with me in a special way that, that he hadn't before. And, and I want to share with you guys what he, it's like I knew it in the back of my mind and in certain ways I engaged in what he was showing me. 
but God doesn't want it to be just this afterthought. He wants me to, he wants me to be more intentional concerning the financial stability that I'm providing for my family. If you're taking notes, jot these three areas down. Number one, immediate household. Number two, extended family. Number three, future generations. This is what God challenged me with personally, and I believe this is what he's challenging the house of God with, the household of faith, is when it comes to financial stewardship, when it comes to financial stability, God wants you to take care of not only your immediate family, he wants you to be in position. See, this is not a name and a claim it message. This is not a bless me message. This is not even a prosperity message. I believe it's a message where God is saying that I want you to have enough money and resources to handle your business as well as bless others around you. If you don't have enough money, oh, can I say it? Can I say it? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you don't have enough money, I don't believe that that's God's best for your life. If you have just enough money to meet your bills, I don't believe that that's God's best for your life. I believe that God's best for your life is for you to have enough resources to not only take care of your responsibilities, but to be a blessing to others around you. Can you say amen right there? So when it comes to financial stability, Immediate household, God says, I want you to care for them, son. Extended family members, I want you to be in position so if there is a need, they don't go lacking because of the 911 that they're having in their lives. And then finally, my son, I want you to have the mindset for future generation. I want, oh God, help me. I want you, look, look, I want to prophesy to somebody. God says, I want you to create wealth that you will never see. Now, for some of you all, that's hard because you, because you, all the money you get, some of you all want to consume it upon yourselves. But God says, I want you to establish systems that bring about wealth. Come on, somebody. The generations in your family lineage that you might never see. Let me give you some scriptural context to what it is that I'm saying. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 5, verse number 3, and this is what I want you to, I want everybody to do it. I want everybody to do it. I want you to go home later on today and just read through 1 Timothy, chapter number 5, and let it speak to you again because I'm going to minister to you how God ministered to me, but I want this text to speak to you for itself. The Bible declares in 1 Timothy, chapter number 5, verse number 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Somebody shout, really in need. Now, what the Apostle Paul is going to do, he's going to define what true need is concerning a widow. And within the context of his definition, it's going to be those, those women who have lost their husbands, who have nobody in the family at all to depend on. She does not have children. She does not have grandchildren. She has nobody in the house to depend on. He's going to define that as a widow that's really in need. Verse number four, the Bible declares, but, somebody shout, but... If a widow has children or grandchildren, look at the wisdom that the Apostle Paul gives. These should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice. Hold, hold on. Let's, let's just pause right there. He says, you think you saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. How is it? Oh, you love me, but you can't love folk around you. He says, if the widow has children or if she has grandchildren, you spiritual ones, put your religion into practice. Come on. By caring for those, oh God, for their own family and so somebody shall repaying. 
I want to pause right there because in essence, you are repaying God. You are repaying them for what they have done for you. Well, pastor, my mama wasn't in my life. She gave you life, baby. My granddaddy, I didn't even know my granddaddy. Well, if it wasn't for your granddaddy, your daddy wouldn't have been here. And if your daddy wouldn't have been here, you wouldn't have been here. So in essence, if nothing else, I am repaying them for the life that they they have given me. Can you say amen to that? put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is, somebody shout, it's pleasing to God. I want to help somebody. Somebody shout again, it pleases God. So many of you guys know, uh, years ago, I believe it was 2017, my father, he was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma cancer and it was a, it was a tragedy in just, just mentally in my household because for anybody who's experienced, watch this, the C word, it, it always brings about despair. It always brings about a, simple, a, a, a sense of hopelessness that you've got to persevere through. So when I found out that my father had cancer, come on somebody, I, I went into, I went, my, my faith and my, my drive went to a whole nother level because I wasn't ready to lose the old man. So I went literally to every doctor's appointment. I don't think, sweetie, I don't believe it's a doctor's appointment that I missed. And so as we began to pursue care, me personally, I wasn't satisfied with the care that my father was receiving locally. And I'm not throwing rocks at any institution. In particular, it was the doctor that he had because if I ask you, if you're a cancer doctor and I ask you anything about cancer, you ought to know something about it. When it comes to the word of God, it's not too much you finna throw at me that I don't know something in this script. Y'all, y'all come on some. I can't tell you, Chad, how many times I've gone through Genesis to Revelation. So it's not much you just gonna surprise me and I'd be like, wow, that's in the Bible. The devil is absolutely a liar. So if I throw something at you, if you're a cancer doctor and I throw something at you concerning cancer, baby, you ought to be able to give me something. Maybe you didn't specialize in this, but maybe you ought to at least point me in a direction and I couldn't, I couldn't get my answers. I couldn't get answers to simple questions that I was posing. So I made the decision, my family and I, that we're going to seek for help outside of, of the state that we're living in. So, so we went over to MD Anderson. And I was very pleased with the support. I was very pleased, very pleased with the knowledge that they gave us. And for the next year, 2017, once a month, once a month, I'd make a drive personally over to MD Anderson, spend six-hour drive, spend two, sometimes four days there in a hotel. And I don't know about y'all, but my, the, the most comfortablest bed in the whole wide world is mine. <clears throat> I've, I've been in three-star, four, four-and-a-half, five-star, praise the Lord, and, and they are, they're very nice, but, but the most comfortablest bed in the entire world, and pillow, by the way, it's Greg Stephen McGee Sr. This uncomfortable stay in the hotel, in the waiting room, in the lobby, eating hospital food. My dad's hooked up to a machine four or five hours, and I'm sitting there, um, sermon prepping, studying, handling business, reaching out to my family. For a whole year, once a month, we drive there and I would sit there. It was an extreme sacrifice. But tell me what the extreme sacrifice was all about. I was repaying my daddy. That's what I was doing. 
out of all that my father has done for me, after who he has been in my life, and once again, if he had done nothing because the fact he gave me life, I'm going to do everything that I can to repay him. And the scripture declares that it pleases God. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. There were people that were coming up to me thanking me for taking care of Deacon McGee. Baby, you ain't, I appreciate the thanks, but you ain't got to thank me. It's my reasonable service to give back to the one who's been given to me all of my life. Can somebody say, Amen, right? There. Many of you guys know recently we took in my, my wife's grandmother, and she is the grandmother that, that literally raised my wife and, and trained and taught my wife as a wife. She cooked the way she does right now because of granny. Y'all ain't got to say amen. I say amen for myself. Grandmother was stricken with dementia. And it wasn't, it wasn't a second thought. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, I, I wonder, are we going to take her in? The devil is absolutely a liar. We're going to do all that we can to provide for granny and make the, her last days, her latter days, the best quality that we, that we can. The Bible declares these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Watch this. Verses number seven, the Bible declares, give, he says, give the people. Somebody shout the people. So he's talking about everybody. If you grown, give it to them. Give the people, mm, let me back, let me retract that. Not just the grown, but we ought, to, we ought to be training our children as well. We ought to be training our children. If something, can, can dad depend on you if I'm not, can dad depend on you when you grown? God, I want to, mm. I want to I want to help. So so today Sunday Saturday Friday uh my wife and I we went to go see Deacon Jernigan. I got a phone call. Deacon had failed on Friday. And um they they called me to come pick him up. And um I I I I picked he was he was just laying on the, <laughs> the old man was just laying on the floor. And wound up falling asleep on the floor. So I I go in his room and I and I pick him up. And uh, put him on the bed, and uh, anybody know Deacon in, in these past three months, every time he see you, he just started crying. And so he, he saw me pick up on the bed, he just, he just started crying. And um, so he, he, he started apologizing. He said, he said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I can't be here for you. He said, I'm sorry, I can't do for you like I used to do for you. And I told him, I said, Deke, you ain't got to do nothing for me. Just stay around, old man. Those are my exact words on Friday. You ain't got to do nothing. If I could just see your face, man, on a, if I could just see you in that, in that blue suit, why he liked to wear that blue suit so much out of all them suits in his closet? Deke said, I look good in blue. I don't know. So we left and we got something to eat. Um, and we, we, took, we took him and uh, Mother Pearl something to eat. And while my wife was in there, she was telling me how uh, he, <laughs> he was, <laughs> Deke was in there fighting the nurse, praise the Lord. And Deke said, Deke said, I ain't going to no nursing home. That's what the old man said. I ain't going to no nursing home. So when my wife, when my wife told me this, I, I asked my, my wife the question. And I, I was joking to her, but I was actually serious. I said, do we need to bring Deke to our house? Do we need to take care of Deke? We, we, we were joking but in essence, I wasn't joking. I was serious because if he don't have, Deke didn't have natural children of his own, he raised his ex-wife's children 
who they didn't have later on in life a close relationship. So it's interesting. I looked at him like a father figure, but he looked at me like I was a father figure. Ain't that crazy? I call him pop and he'd say I'm his daddy and that's his mama. So when it comes to a man that I have provision, I have means to take care of, God, I want to I want to pause. I want to pause. Let, let me let me read on. Let me read on. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Now, I want you to check out verse number eight, and we're going to juxtapose what he says in eight as opposed to verse number four. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, press pause right there for a second because verse number four, he says, when you do this, the last part, he says it pleases God. But he's going to take it a little bit deeper, and he says, if you don't do it, not only is it displeasing, you worse than somebody who has no moral values at all. Someone who has denied the faith and is worse than... Worse than an unbeliever. Now, I need y'all to hear my heart. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Let me go ahead and go there. I need y'all to hear my heart just for a second because you have, you have, you got two categories. I thought about this. I thought about this. You got two categories. So, so Pastor, what you're saying don't apply to everybody. What you're saying don't apply to everybody. You got two categories. You got people who are selfish and won't take care of their relatives. Okay? And then you got Another category over here of people who want to and can't take care of their relatives. So what you're saying, Pastor, is really not completely applicable to everybody. And I'm telling you today, the devil is absolutely a liar because God gives you enough resources to take care of the assignment that he puts you on in the earth. So the one who is selfish Y'all ain't saying that in this place. We know that God says concerning them, you worse than an infidel, someone who has denied the faith. But the one who can't, it ain't just that they can't. It's that, that they have already preoccupied resources, come on somebody, and committed those resources to another place as opposed to really allowing Jesus to be the Lord of their money and reserve, oh, I want to help. So I'm, see, understand, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's this concept that's called delayed gratification. There's a, there's a car, there's a, there's a car, um, chat, there's a car, I'm, I'm speaking prophetically. Lady McGee, I need you to lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. There is a car that I want, very nice vehicle that I can afford. It's, it's within my budget. If I buy this car, I ain't got to tell the kids, look here now. Look here. We got a nice car now. I, I need y'all. We're we not going to eat Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, okay? I need y'all to eat enough Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday to hold y'all through, okay? Because daddy got to drive this car, right? It ain't going to put us in a position like this. It's, it's a very nice car. It's, it's within our means and our budget. Say amen, Lady McGee. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 20 years ago, it was way out of our budget. Okay. 
15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, it was way out of our budget. But watch the wisdom. The car I'm going to get ain't the car I really want. I just want to, I'm going to run right now. It ain't a problem. It ain't the car I want. It's, it's, it's the car I'm just going to get. The car I really want is right now way out of my budget. And I just want to talk to anyone right now that the Lord is impressing on your heart. If you desire to inbox me and know what, find out what it is. Somebody shout, let him use you. Let him use you. <laughs> hmm. So not only am I practicing delayed gratification concerning the car that I really want, but I'm also practicing delayed gratification concerning the car that I know that is within my budget because I'm asking another question, is it time for it now? Because, ooh, if I commit this money to this car without God's approval, what goes lacking that God really wanted to use this money for? I just want to let that marinate just in the atmosphere just for a moment. So, so you have people who, who are selfish and ju they just won't do anything for anybody around them. And then you have those who, are can't, who, who just can't. They, 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 they have a big heart. And they, when they really say, when they say I, I wish I could, they really mean it. But the reality is God is not looking at your reality of where you are. He's looking at where you were six months ago, six years ago, even maybe 15 years ago when I blessed you and I put money in your hand and you didn't even ask me about the money. You consumed it upon your own selfish desires and didn't even consider what I wanted to do with it. I wonder, can somebody just say amen right there? Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Look at verse number 16. You got to see this because this is crazy. Paul says, if any woman, any woman. So this is a lady who has a mother and her father has passed away or a woman who has a grandmother and her grandfather has passed away. If any woman has a, has, is, is a believer has widows in her care. Look at the wisdom. She should continue to help them. Ooh, ooh, look at this. And not let the church be burdened with them. Why? Why, why, why? I give, I give money to the church. I send my tithes to the church. The church ought to be, they ought to be doing more. Ho, 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 hold on. What, what, what you saying, Paul? She should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. So um, I got a heckling um, uh, heckler on, 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 on Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was like right after Hurricane Zeta. Some of you guys may have seen his comments. Um, I would not respond back to him via Facebook. Um, I put a message in his inbox, and I gave him my personal number to call me. And, and the heckler was talking about somebody that was in need and how the church ought to be doing something and you guys this and that and the whatever. Um, so I looked at it from the standpoint, evidently, I, I really don't know you and you definitely don't know me. And you, you can't know this ministry and all that we do to provide for the community. And, and the reality is there are certain things that we do that only board members know that we do to bless the community because we don't sound an alarm every time we do good in the community. Can you say amen to that? 
So he was, he was heckling us on Facebook, and, and I just responded in his inbox, gave him my number. Man, please call me and so, I can, so I can see what it is that you're trying to do. He's one of the individuals, oh God, like many, like many who, when it comes to their personal resources, they reserve it only for themselves. But they look at other organizations and point fingers at them and tell them what they ought to be doing with their money when they want no accountability with their own. Paul says, if there's somebody that has a widow in your care, continue to help them out and don't let the church be burdened with it. If you have resources, God has, God has blessed you, you should be a blessing to them so that the, so, so it, it's not that the church or any other nonprofit organization is getting off the hook. No, 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 no. There are some people that are in real need. See, she got somebody. She got you. Come on, somebody. But this one right here has nobody. So the church can help those widows who are really in need. Can somebody say amen to that? So when it comes to this thought concerning what is my responsibility, my financial responsibility, again, my, my, my focus should be the immediate care of my household, the extended care of my family, and then finally, somebody shout future generations. In the book of Proverbs chapter number 13, verse number 22, the Bible declares, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. A good person leaves an inheritance for that. What, y'all? Children's children. So, so what this speaks to is that um, I should not only be concerned about Greg Jr. Um, no, no time soon. Praise the Lord. Just put this disclaimer, no time soon. Jesus, help us, help all of us that's up in here. I'm not looking forward to grandchildren. No time soon. Praise the Lord. I am one day because my mentor keeps telling me, I don't know why he keeps telling me, he's, he keeps telling me that grandchildren are better than children. I <laughs> think he says that. He, he, he said, don't kill your children. Better ones are coming. <laughs> that's, that's what he said. That's just what he said. And I believe him. I'm, 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 I'm in great expectation, just, but just no time soon. So not only should I be financially looking out for my children, but I ought to have a plan in place for my great-grandchildren. My great-great-grandchildren. They should benefit. Ooh, Jesus. So, so, so my, my wife and I, this is what God did. Um, for those, uh, especially uh, board members and for those who've been with me for a while, one of the most perplexing decisions that I have made in this ministry was to make the transition as a full-time pastor. That was, man, I, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Um, and, and a lot of what, the lot of reason was fleshly, uh, and it was lack of faith in God. Um, but one of the reasons why it was hard for me to make the transition was because I loved industry, and I still do. I love business. I, I had an um, insurance company, and um, I, I love negotiating. I love talking to business owners. I love explaining benefits. I love being there when somebody had just gotten into an accident or something and delivering that check, letting them know that what I told them six months ago would happen if they, and it manifest. I loved it. So I made the transition to 
to, to full-time ministry, um, but something happened. Uh, Brother Chris, I still had this passion for business, and I didn't understand it. So I, I started trying to dibble and dabble. Well, maybe I still need to do this, and maybe I still need to do that. And, and we, we do have things. We do have entrepreneurial ever, uh, uh, um, uh, things on the side. But, but what I wanted to do was on a much greater scale. The passion that I had for business was on a much greater scale than what I was able to give time to. And I asked God, this was years ago, I asked God, why would you ask me to make the transition to full-time ministry but then not take the passion away for industry? And this is what God told me. And it's just now, he told me this about six, six years ago, and it's just now materializing today. He told me I allowed you to keep the passion not for yourself, but so that you can create streams of incomes for other people. It's to help other business owners. It's to not, watch this, it's to start businesses that I don't run. It's to create employment opportunities that I don't have to actually go and do it. But somebody who can't find a job, somebody who is allowing some corrupt employer to zap their strength and their vitality employing those individuals and giving them an opportunity to create wealth. And I'm so excited. Um, even, even recently, there are some, some other uh, opportunities that my wife and I, we've been just talking about that, that watch this, it, it won't just bless us, but it's going to bless countless other people that we're going to employ and that we're going to engage and that we're going to push. Can somebody just say amen to that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. But this is, this is what I know, and I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what I know. The income that comes in is not, a just, it's not just about Greg. It's not just about Irene. I know that money that crosses my hand, God always has purpose for the money that comes across my hands to be a blessing to somebody else. It's always, God, help me in this place. It's like, it's like, it's, it's so wonderful. It's like having to haul barrels of water to somebody else. It's impossible for me to continue to haul barrels to other people and I don't get splashed myself. So while I'm helping others, God is going to continue to splash me. And I'm telling you today, when you begin to develop a mindset to handle your responsibilities, not only for your immediate household, extended generations, uh, 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 extended family members, but also extended generations. God's going to splash you in the process. Somebody shout, splash me, Lord. A good person leaves an inheritance not just for your babies, not just a child support check, but I'm doing something that's going to outlive me. I'm establishing systems of revenue that my great-grandchildren, that Greg the Third, is going to be a recipient of in future generations. Now, now let me go back to my foundational text. I pray, is anybody getting anything out of this message on today? I need you to hear my heart. Mm. Yeah. Because it is possible to love Jesus and leave your family in a bad financial situation. I'm, I'm telling you today, 
It is possible for you to really have a love for God because there's some people, they have this mindset, well, if I just, re- if I just love Jesus, everything going to be okay. No, 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 babe, no, babe. Mm-mm-mm. It, it's possible for you to really have a relationship with him, to love him, and even give your life serving him, but fail to implement sound financial principles and you leave your own family in a bad financial situation. Let me show you in the text, in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 4, verse number 1. The Bible declares, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out. So let's press pause there for a second. So this is a man of God. She was married to somebody who was a part of the schools of prophet or the prophetic order. So this ain't just some average Joe Blow. No, this, somebody shout, this was a man of God. He was a man of God. Now, not only was he a man of God, I want you to look at the heart of the man of God. She goes to the prophet and she says, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared God. So before I go there, let me just say this. You do know it's possible to serve him and not love him. I want to to help you. It's it's possible to go through the routine. The Apostle Paul talks about people like that who preach preach the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but their motives are wrong. They preach him, but they're not in love with the one that they preach about. That's not the case with this man of God right here. Not only was he a part of the prophetic order, she says that he fears, he reverenced God. He had a love for God. But there was the decision that he made in the midst of his lifetime Although he, would, although he worked for the ministry, although he loved God, there were some decisions that he made financially that not only put him in a bad situation while he was alive, but almost jeopardized his family after he died. She says, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So here is this, somebody, somebody said years ago, uh, actually it was, um, it, was, it was about a year ago, um, um, this guy, he was um, just, just asking me about questions about slavery in the Bible, and he was saying how that it seems as though that the Bible supports slavery, and I was trying to help him with that understanding. Uh, number one, the Apostle Paul, when he writes concerning slaves, when he writes in, in particular to Philemon, a slave, watch this, Paul is not, he's not a Republican, he's not a, he's not a Democrat, Paul is not trying to change the Roman laws, but he's trying to explain and encourage Christians, even under hardship, how to honor God in the state where you are. Paul wasn't for slave. Matter of fact, he's going to write, he's going to write to to the slave owner and he's going to tell him to free his old slave. When it comes to the Old Testament where the slavery system kicks in and we see it under their laws, if you owe somebody money and you fail to pay their money, pay the money back, or you can't afford to pay the money back, the way you work off your debt is becoming a servant or a slave to them. It's like going in a restaurant and you don't have no money, so they send you back there to wash dishes. You're going to work this debt off. And this man created a debt. He died with that debt still in force. What does that look like today? It looks like a guy wearing gaiters, wearing nice shoes, Nice clothes, fresh haircut, nice car, big crib, but no life insurance. And we, we got jokers still doing it today. 
One dude told me, hey, man, just, hey, I don't care. They can just throw me in the backyard, just bury me in the backyard. I told him, fool, it's laws against that. You need a life insurance policy. Somebody say amen. My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So this is what this is what God um yeah this this is what God told me uh, to, to share with the people of God maybe this is not for everybody but it's for somebody because God wouldn't give me a message like this if nobody was here um there are people in this building you need watch this you need discipline and a miracle you you need where, where you are watch this you need you need discipline and the miracle. And there's some of you guys in your fin current financial situations, maybe because of past debt or maybe because of future things that you want to do, you know the only way you're going to get that accomplished is you're going to need a miracle. But I'm telling you today, miracle, miracles won't come without discipline already in place. Let me help you with the discipline aspect just for a moment. So, so my wife and I, when it comes to financial uh, integrity, stability, management, there are a couple of principles. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four. I'm give you four. Th the last one is the one that I hang my hat on. The one that when I do this, it, it doesn't matter where I'm, where I am. God always come through for me. But let me let me just give you these first three. The first one is tithing tithing. So before I met my wife, I was, my, my dad, my dad, he, um, I've been cutting grass since I was five years old. I started, I started cutting grass when, like pushing the lawnmower like this, cutting grass, okay? Um, and, and my dad used to pay me slave uh, wages, praise the Lord, 10, yeah, old man, old man, $10 a week. $10 a week. And he'd give it to me like he was proud. He'd be flipping through hundreds. Hey, boy, I got you. I got you. That's for you right there. If I would have knew then what I know right now. <laughs> um, so I get my $10, and he would watch me to see if I put a dollar in church. My daddy trained me that way. So from five, six years old all the way to I was 18, 19 years old when I got my own job, uh, working at Food Giant, if you guys remember that back in uh, where, where um, it was Food Giant. Ain't no Food Lion. Food Lion in Philadelphia. Food Giant in Gulfport. <laughs> okay. I know my first job, making $4.15 an hour. Anybody remember $4.15 an hour? <laughs> Some of the kids like, $4.15? Are you serious? <laughs> that was slave money. <laughs> Um, he would make sure that I would tithe, and I, I adopted that principle. So when I married my wife, watch this. Tithing or no tithing would have been a deal breaker. I'm telling you right now, it would have been a deal breaker for my wife and I because I know that I, I embody the principles of the Scripture, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. What is a tithe? A tithe is a tenth. It's a tenth. It's a tenth of what you bring in. Now, now, me personally, I practice the tithe a tenth of what I'm getting paid. 
before deductions. That's that's always been my principle. So I ain't I ain't watch this. For for some folks, well, they taking out, uh, they taking out uh, Social Security, they taking out like, child support, uh, they taking out uh, insurance, insurance, y'all, insurance. They they taking out uh, Christmas loan, <laughs> and then so they gave me this. Now I'ma tithe off this. That no, I tithe off what you gave me before the deductions ever kicked in. Because I believe that when you bring all your tithes into the storehouse, what is, what is the storehouse in this particular day? It's the local church. It's the same thing that the Apostle Paul talks about. He, he mentions tithe principles in, in, his, in his writings to the Corinthians. It's the same principle. Why the church? Why bring it to the church? Why, why, Pastor McGee, why you don't take, okay, so you're talking about helping family members. You're talking about helping people. Why you don't help them with your money? Why you don't help them with your tithing? Because the tithe goes to the local church. Why the local church? Because Jesus says upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. What is he saying? He's saying that the church is the only nonprofit organization in the entire world that has the ability to combat hell. Why? Because we are the only nonprofit in the entire world that has the ability to make a difference in both the natural and the spiritual realm. Thank God for the United Way. Thank God for the Boys and Girls Club. Thank God for every other nonprofit organization. I, I, I honor them, and they get my money as well. But watch this. When it comes to the church, I know that the church, when, 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 when their drives are over, and we've helped them with their drive and even model some of the things that they do. I'm not throwing stones at that. We have the ability to tap into the spiritual realm. Come on, somebody, and go to the root of the problem and not just deal with the fruit of it. So he says, bring ye all the tithe, the tenth, the tenth of everything that you make. Bring it into the storehouse. Why, 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 why? Because he says, I want there to be meat. What is meat? I want it to be provision in the household. So whenever a need arises, the church is in, a, in the position where they can be a blessing. You got too many people, and this is, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. We have too many people that sit back talking about what the church ought to be doing, and they give very little to the church that ought to be doing what they say need to be done. So that they may be meat in my house. And then he goes on and he says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you may have, that you may not have room to receive. And I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. I have embodied this principle. Come on, somebody. And watch this because I've embodied this principle. My money has insurance on it. I said my money has spiritual insurance on it because I honor God with the first tenth. He covers the rest of the ninety. So tithing has been a principle that my wife and I, we have always practiced. Here, here, is, here is another principle that, we've, that we practiced from the beginning, from the Genesis. And we've only gotten better and in some instances tighter with it. And the principle is called budgeting. So every dollar has a name. Every dollar has a name. So there is, I, I wish, I'm, I'm sure she got, matter of fact, she got like two in her, her, her book right now. Just lift it up. Lift, okay. Is that 2020 or 2019? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me, help me. I need to look at that 2021 because we need to make sure something's in that budget. And it sounds like vroom, vroom. <laughs> so since I know at least 2000, my wife has a, a black book where every dollar that has come into our house or gone out of our house has a name on it, okay? 
So at the beginning of the year, she hadn't done it yet, but probably sometime before. The, have you done it already? Have you sent it to me? Well, I need you to send it because I need to check that budget. I need to check that. I just, I just feel God want to do something special. <laughs> Somebody shout budgeting. I know it takes time. I know it takes time. But if you don't tell your money where it's going, it's going to tell you where, it's went, where it went. That's Dave Ramsey quote. I'm going to say it again. If you don't tell your money where it's going, in just a minute, it's going to start telling you where it went. And sometimes you won't know where it went. Somebody shout, discipline and a miracle. Here's the third principle. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. I just gave you the example of, of what I want to do. Um, what I've and, and not only have I. So, so I told, one of the reasons I put it off, what I want, is because I told my wife what I wanted to do for her. And I told her what I wanted to do for the household. So before I get mine, and I believe, I believe that you, if you give, if you sow, you will reap. So I told my wife, I want to bless you first. <laughs> because if I sow into her first, I don't know. God may come back real big on your boy. So delayed gratification, I know I really want it. I really do want it. But I'm not in such a hurry where I'm going to violate these other principles to get it. Somebody shout delayed gratification. Here's the fourth principle. And this is definitely worth writing down. It's a question that I pose. I, I, at, I told you guys from the beginning, you can often measure levels of maturity by the quality of the question that is asked. Now, concerning week to week, month to month income through various entrepreneurial endeavors that we have, um, this question has already been answered. And the answer has been manifested within budget form. So, so in essence, we ask God, what do you desire for us to do? This is what we're bringing in. This is what's happening. And what do you desire for us to do with it? And so we created a budget and we put those items where we believe that God desires for that money to come. Throughout the year, from time to time, there will be an influx or an unexpected. And some of you guys got it this year. There was unexpected money that came in that wasn't in my normal budget. And so I had to ask the same question concerning it that I had already asked concerning the money that I know month to month that I'm going to get. And the money in the question is simply this, Lord, what do you desire for me to do with the money you gave me? That's a real mature question. God what do you want me to do with this, this raise, with this unexpected check, with the overflow of insurance? What do you want me to do with the money you gave me? If you're watching me live, write that. Put it, put it in the screen. Put it in the chat box now. If you're, if you're in the sanctuary, write it down because I want you to start asking God that question whenever unexpected money comes into your hand. 
Because I promise you, I promise you, if you ask the question and you wait on God, he will answer it. Because God just don't give you money for naught. Watch the wisdom. Even if he gives you money to bless yourself and your family. And there have been times when God has put money in my hand and it had nothing to do with anybody else. God gave this for me because he wanted, because he wanted me to be able to get the thing that my heart has desired for all along. I have practiced delayed gratification all of these months, all of these years, and this unexpected check. For real, God, what can I do with it? Go get it, son. I'm expecting to hear him say it soon. <laughs> can I get a witness? Ah. <laughs> Somebody shout, Lord, what do you desire for me to do with the money? You placed in my hands. Watch this text. Hmm. This woman uh, comes to the prophet Elijah and she says, I'm in a bad situation. My husband, uh, he, was, he was faithful to the prophetic order. Not only was he faithful to serving you, but he really did fear God. He had a love for God. But there were some decisions. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. There were some decisions that he made that have now put me in a, a bad situation. I'm, I'm left with a debt. Come, come, Brother Chris, help me. I'm left with a debt, and if this debt is not paid, um, um, my sons are going to be sold as slaves. Look at what the man of God tells her. I need you to see this. He asked, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked. And then he says, tell me, what do you have in the house? Her response was nothing at all except a flask of oil, olive oil. Now, let's jump all the way down to verses number seven. The man of God gives her instruction based on what was in her house. And here's the wisdom that God, see, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, God is so wonderful because he's challenging my faith on a whole nother level. See, what you guys are receiving today and whenever you received a teached word the purpose of a teach word is not for you to be more educated. When the word of God comes forth, it literally opens up the spiritual realm in order for you to navigate in a place where you couldn't prior to. Based on the information that God has given you. And God is challenging somebody today to take a look at what's in your house. Because there's something in your house that's going to bring you wealth. I want to help some... But bro Brother Chris is getting ready to come. He's getting ready to come. And Chris is going to pray for witty inventions. He's going to pray for those of you guys who have entrepreneurial endeavors already in place. And he's going to pray that God would open up that stream even the more, that a, a greater customer base would, would come. We're going to pray for miracles. And I believe that God is getting ready to do that. But, but watch the wisdom of this text. I'm getting ready to show you verse number seven. The, the, the man of God sent a word and told her to take what's in your house because actually what's in your house, I'm getting ready to make a, ooh, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a miracle. Sister Artina with the juice already in your house. I'm going to put my hands on the supplies that's in your house. I want to help somebody in this place. Chat, the customer base that you already got. I know you want new customers, but the customer bases that you already got, getting ready to send out referrals to their cousins, to their brothers, to their sisters, to their uncles. Somebody shout, it's going to happen just like that. 
It's, oh God, I know, I know some of y'all, I want to help somebody. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just speaking prophetically because I feel, God, there's something that you want to do new, but God says it's something that I want to read a poster that's old. And when I put my hands upon it, what you thought wasn't any good anymore, God help me. Lav, I know you want revenue from the new book, but revenue is coming back from the old books. Because when they buy the new book, they're going to want to know, is there anything else that this author have? And when they buy the new book, they're going back to get all the old books. Will anybody receive that? So he gives her instruction with something that's already in her house. And watch the wisdom, verse number seven. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now, now watch this. Somebody shout, I need a miracle, but I got to have discipline. Here's the component of discipline. Not only carrying out the instruction that God gives you or carrying out the instructions that the man of God gives you. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now, watch this. Sell the oil, pay your debts. He said, get out of debt. Cut up the credit cards. Don't do same as cash. Pay for the whole thing because I'm giving you the resources to do it. Get out. Somebody shout, God, get me out of debt. Well, if he's going to get you out of debt, that means he's going to send you resources. And when he sends you, the, because this is what God doesn't do. He doesn't give you the resources for something and then control your will as, as to how you're going to do it. He's going to give you the money or you're going to be disciplined enough to do, to carry out the purpose for the money that he gave you. So sell the oil, pay your debts. And watch this. And based on what I just did for you and your sons can live on what is left. In essence, he created a miracle in her life, Jesus, that caused her to be able to live out the rest of her days with her and her sons. Somebody shout, God, to do it just like that. Brother Chris, I want you to pray, man. I want you to pray. There, there are some people that are financially, they're, they're suffering. Um, and then there are some that aren't necessarily, it's not about them suffering, but their hearts are aching because they want to do more for people than what they currently are doing. Sometimes it's because just bad decisions in the past, but we, we're not worried about the bad decisions. If you confess your sins, somebody shall confess your sins. Now, that's critical because you can't, you can't keep making excuses. Can't keep making excuses about bad decisions. I made the bad decision. But believe me, I know what it's like to blow money. I know what it's like to get a big check and lose your mind. Can I get a witness? Anybody in this place? Get a big check and you think you're a baller, but you broke. <laughs> because when that, once that check is gone, you're back to where you was. So I've blown money before. I can't go back and dwell on that. But what I do have to do is confess that I actually blew it. And once God forgives me, it opens me up to now to receive what else he has in store for me. And God has something financial. Does anybody receive that? God, somebody shout, God has something financially in store for me. Bless the people, sir.